Well, Oregon recently made another transfer portal addition. Is their roster all set for 2024? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to or watch this show. We're almost 5,000 subs on YouTube, I believe. Just like Ted Lasso, I believe in believe. And I also believe, in fact, I know that today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That is why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions do apply. And we're talking recruiting today. LinkedIn is our recruiting sponsor here at the network. And I've got my guy, Max Torres. He is at M Torres Sports, host of the Ducks Dish podcast, covers Oregon, for Fan Nation at Sports Illustrated. Max, we've had a lot of moves in the transfer portal this offseason. We'll get to the lone, really the only outstanding potential high school recruit for Oregon's 2024 class. Do you feel like the roster is set with the addition of Cam Alexander from UTSA, the defensive back who we're also going to talk about on today's show? Is there any glaring hole that you feel still could be filled with a portal addition? I don't know if I would say a glaring hole, but certainly some areas that could still be bolstered, buffered out a little bit, you know, strengthened. Um, that was definitely a really good addition that I'm excited to talk about on today's episode with Dispenser. But I think some of the other areas that kind of come to mind for me uh, is the interior of the defensive line. Uh, given all the veterans that the Ducks are losing, I think that would certainly be an area that you'd love to to add another guy at if you're Oregon looking at the the roster for next year. But also, I don't think it's maybe as big of a need as some might think, uh, just kind of off the top of their head. You have to keep in mind that the Ducks recruited this position incredibly well, both of the last two recruiting cycles, that's 2023 and 2024. And while you had all those veterans that were having a heck of a year for Oregon, these young guys were practicing alongside them, soaking up all that knowledge and kind of cooking is the way I like to look at it. Marinating maybe another word you could use, mm, but that's a good one right there. I like the, I like the marinating angle I, of it. If, if you listen to uh Ryan Winter's podcast, his shows, uh, the food chat can quickly get off topic, but mm. that's a, uh, those are some comparisons that we could use, but the case in point Spencer is that they have some guys on the roster that I think they could be uh, ready to take the next step. But the, even with that being the case, I think that you'd like to bring in some experience there. And then the other position I would maybe look to get a little bit more help at is safety. Just again, looking at the guys that you lost there, but you add Kobe Savage from Kansas State. And then you have Aaron Flowers coming in in the 24 class. And he was a stud all week long when I was seeing him in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. Yeah, so so you were down there and Flowers was one of the guys who who really stood out in that game and was getting kind of a, a lot of buzz. Talk about what you saw from, from the Oregon four-star commit. Being able to see him in person was really fun because he'd been really hyped up all throughout his senior year. And then just throughout the week, he was constantly a top performer going up against top wide receivers from across the country. And I think that's kind of what solidified him even more in my eyes, because we all know that Texas is loaded 
just as a high school state when you're looking at top college football prospects. It's loaded. So he did a great job and helped Forney make a, a deep run in the state title game, or the state playoffs, excuse me. But then you bring in all these guys from across the country, and then the the thing that you have to figure out is, well, are the results a lot different? And they really weren't. He was really consistent all week, super fluid, moves really well, uh, really good ball skills, really active, and and around um, just making plays. So that, that was kind of what I saw that impressed me from Flowers. Um, he's fun to talk to, too. I got an interview with him over on my channel, if you guys want to listen to that. But he just continued to impress almost regardless of who was in front of him. Well, I, I think that that's a notable development because obviously Oregon recruits a guy like that thinking that he will play for the Ducks one day. But not every high school recruit, as you know, is brought in by a staff with the expectation that they'll play in year one. But it, it can really depend. You know, it might depend on what happens during spring practice, you know, because flowers might come in and they could determine, uh, well, maybe he's not quite as ready as as we thought. So in that spring portal window, uh, yeah, we might want to go out and get somebody. But they might also determine, hey, between him and Tyler Turner and Cody DeCambra, they've got somebody in there who can emerge as a starting caliber player. Because I think you know who two of your safeties are for 2024. Uh, obviously, Kobe Savage, the transfer from, from Kansas State. And then Tysheem Johnson, who was uh, honorable mention all Pac-12 this past year. Those are two of your safeties, but in this defensive scheme, there are often three safeties on the field for the Ducks. That's what their base personnel really are, depending on how they want to use that nickel position. So I, I could see them maybe going out and trying to find someone, but if they don't, I, I think it's just going to be kind of time for one of those guys to step up, whether it's you know a redshirt freshman. I, I think I assume that DeCambra and Turner redshirted in 2023. I don't think they crossed the, the threshold. We can double check that. But that's kind of where the safety position is. Going back to your point about, well, you know, are we going to bring in or, or are the Ducks going to bring in another safety? Is it something that they need to do? I, I can see a world in which they say yes. I can also see a world in which they say that's five guys to play, you know, three safety positions. And sometimes we'll have a third corner on the field. Uh, you know, Kamari Terrell is someone who plays in that nickel position. Colin Gill, I think, can run at the nickel and has uh, Roger Pleasant maybe a little that's kind of where, where it's at. So I, I could see the, the safety room with another transfer going either way. And and another thing to add on there, Spencer, is that I remember after Cam Alexander committed yesterday, I put out a tweet just with the projected cornerback room. It was a lot of guys. Like it was just a ton of names. And I wouldn't be super surprised if Oregon already has a guy or two in that list that could maybe give safety a shot or already has, um, I think Nico Reed could be someone that like, you know, moved around a little bit last year. He could be somebody to keep an eye on. I had heard a little bit of rumbling about if Bedeglu maybe getting a shot at safety. He's the 2024 signee at corner out of St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. But then again, he was a big standout out in Orlando all week at the Under Armour All-American game. So he's an interesting one to watch because when I saw him against St. John Bosco, he, he looked okay. Not, you know, not, not amazing, but St. John Bosco is also one of the best, programs in the country so you know there, there's uh you can't take too much from one game so to see him just have a really good week in Orlando I think kind of solidified his his ability uh, in coverage so we'll have to see and him and Dakota Fields is another guy that they're excited about but again those are corners so I think that when Oregon likes to recruit guys with some position versatility 
and I wouldn't be surprised. Also, we have to maybe mention Kingston Lopa. He's another guy that they got at safety in the 24 class. Maybe doesn't project to play as soon, but I know he's a guy that Dan Lanning and the Ducks are certainly excited about too. Yeah, I think that when you look at the Cole Martin departure, it's curious to kind of wonder where he would have fit in because that's a perfect example of a guy you're talking about recruited as a corner, but was playing a lot of nickel could have maybe played some safety. He's a little bit smaller, but he's certainly rangy and a good athlete. I and many other duck fans were excited about what he could be, but he's of course transferred to, to Arizona state as we are uh, recording the show on a Tuesday morning, by the way, no indication that Demetrius Martin is going anywhere for, for the ducks uh, as their defensive backs coach. But we got to talk about the newcomer as well, because I know Max has got thoughts on Cam Alexander, the transfer from UTSA, just like I've got thoughts on LinkedIn, why you should go check them out. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking asking themselves the exact same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the number one best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. With LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, Max, let's talk about Cam Alexander. So UTSA transfer at the cornerback position. Now, I, I looked at him as, you know, all-conference guy at UTSA this past year, really high coverage grade on, on PFF. That's someone who you expect to come in and be a starter right away. What I'm curious about is where he plays on the field and how they move him around because he is not a typical Dan Lanning boundary corner or field corner and just either outside corner spot they're typically 616263 in that sort of range you look at the top guys last year Dante Manning I think is six foot one Kyrie Jackson is six foot three and Triquez Bridges who also played a good amount over the last two seasons is six foot three so do you think that Alexander despite being just a little bit shorter by a couple of inches is going to be a plug and play kind of replacement for Kyrie Jackson I do think that's kind of the track that he's on once he gets to Oregon. Alexander told me he's actually set to enroll uh, in Eugene later this week. Got an interview over on that one over on Ducks Digest, so give that one a read if you'd like. But that when I interviewed him, he did say that that's kind of the role that he sees himself going into uh, to, to replace Kyrie Jackson. And I think that even though he is a little bit shorter than your typical corner, like you mentioned, I think he kind of makes up for it with some really good speed and some really good ball skills. You know, people I was talking to around the program say he's in the high four twos, four three type of deal with his 40 yard dash time. And then you also look at the production that he had at UTSA. Uh, I have the, had the stats pulled up here. Um, let me see what I had here. Here we go. Uh, 17 pass de- passes defended. I, I don't know why they put it like that. I'd rather just see it written as pass breakups. Cause I feel like that's basically what it is, but Hey, Pass, pass, is defended 17. You got two picks there. So I think that you see the production from him. He was also the defensive MVP in the scooters coffee Frisco bowl. 
with uh, UTSA getting the win over the Marshall Thundering Herd, 35-17. Mm. So mm. he has really produced at wherever he's been. He was also at Sam Houston State before he got to UTSA. So I'm really excited about this addition. I think if Oregon were to take another uh, corner, it was going to be someone that is more than likely going to be playing a significant amount. He has one year of eligibility remaining, so I bet he's looking to make the most of it in Eugene. Yeah, I, I think he's someone who comes in and, look, I don't know if he can be Kyrie Jackson because they're different players, but he certainly is a capable, a highly capable cover guy. And when you lose someone of Jackson's caliber, I think that is what what you need from, from Oregon's standpoint. So let's talk about the secondary depth and kind of the impact of, of this particular move because I look at what the secondary was this year and they're bringing back, as you hinted at, a lot of names in the cornerback room. Now, the safety position is is much thinner, right? You lose Brian Addison, Damon David, who are depth pieces, in addition to losing Steve Stevens and Evan Williams, who are out of eligibility. So f- four of the top, what, probably six guys at the safety spot from a year ago out of the room. The cornerback position, yeah, you lose Kyrie Jackson, you lose Triquez Bridges, but now you've brought in Cam Alexander, and everybody else, at least right now, is going to be back. So I'd expect Jalil Florence to start at one corner, Cam Alexander the other. But where do you think the playing time gets distributed elsewhere? Because we saw that you got to have, you know, probably four good corners for, or at least four guys who can step in and, you know, play at uh, at least a, a solid average level to above average level. I mean, you think about the Ducks secondary this year, it was, it was uh, Kyrie Jackson, Jalil Florence. Triquez Bridges, Dante Manning, Nico Reed, really, really. So that was five. So that was five. How do you see this room shaking out? Because there are a lot of names in there. There are a lot of names. I think with with the Oregon in the secondary, specifically at corner, I think you're going to see Dante Manning heavily involved. At least that's what it looks like the case would be right now. Nico Reed's probably someone who you're going to see maybe take on a little bit of a bigger role. I thought he played a little bit of a smaller role than many expected last year for the Ducks, but they did kind of have a chance to move him around a little bit. You also saw Roderick Pleasant get some snaps in, in uh, his true freshman season, which maybe was because they were getting a little bit banged up there at the position towards the back end of the season. But at the same time, I, I got to cover him. I know he's a really good player, um, but cornerback's a really tough position to play early on in your college career. So if you're on the field as a young guy at that spot, I think it's, it means something. So and you're going to see those guys. Dalen Austin could be someone that maybe makes a leap in his redshirt freshman season. I know he was banged up for, for part of last year. Um, let's see what else. I mean, and then I think Dakota Fields maybe could be someone that you see get in the mix there early. Um, not saying that he's necessarily going to start by any means, but I think that he is someone who could really benefit from getting to Eugene early. He's one of numerous early enrollees. I mean, the, the numbers of early enrollees in this class, Spencer, are bananas. And that is really, really good for Oregon. So I feel like that was a little bit of a long-winded answer, but hopefully I covered what you were looking for. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what we're laying out here for everybody to understand is that there's not going to be another addition at the cornerback spot. They, they're going to let these guys battle it out and, and let the cream rise to the top because you, you've got on one side – you know, Cam Alexander, and maybe he's backed up by Dante Manning. On the other side, you've got Jalil Florence probably backed up by 
Nico Reed or Dalen Austin in that nickel corner slot. It could be Nico Reed. It could be Roderick Pleasant. You've also got Kamari Terrell. You've got Colin Gill. You've got Solomon Davis. You've got uh, Ifi Obadegu, the freshman, coming in. Like There are a lot of defensive backs. I, I feel like the depth at both cornerback and receiver on, on the roster is just really, really high, and there are no depth concerns, and they almost feel like you, you could survive, though you certainly wouldn't want a couple of injuries and not have a significant drop-off because there are just so many bodies at, at those two particular spots. And I think that's true for a lot of Oregon's roster. Yeah, the, the depth is really, really solid. Um, pretty much anywhere you look, that, like you said, there's no glaring weaknesses, which is exactly where you want to be at this point. And, and there's another thing I kind of wanted to bring to the table here, Spencer. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on. Don't want to derail the show too much. But Not at all. Just, just the topic of the transfer portal with the portal and name, image, and likeness, there's been this conversation point of it kind of spreading out the talent, right, across the sport. And I think you see that in a couple of different ways. You see it on the one hand with some guys that were super, super highly touted coming out of high school, had all the offers in the world, but maybe didn't see the field too much early on in their careers. They hit the portal and their suitors aren't the same the second time around because they maybe don't have as big of a sample size or whatever it is. And then they end up going to maybe a smaller school or not not a prestigious national title contender, right? So you have that aspect of things. But then you also have something like Cam Alexander, right? He was playing uh, maybe not the, the biggest time football at Sam Houston State and UTSA, but he's getting identified as someone that can contribute at Oregon. So you see the kind of diamond in a rough type of a deal, right? Or even look at Noah Whittington out at Western Kentucky, a little bit of a different story because he was with Carlos Lachlan, but somewhat smaller schools and they're getting a shot at the the highest level. So I think that that could be something that we see here with, with Cam Alexander um, just being, being a, a guy that could really take his game to a new level and, and, and find a great spot in Eugene. Yeah. I, I think that that addition to college football recruiting has become rather prevalent. I think Oregon has capitalized on those sorts of moves pretty darn well. And I think that there are players that go in both directions. You know, you look at a player like Ty Thompson, for instance, big time recruit coming out of high school and he's at Oregon for a few years, never makes a start. And now he's going to go off to Tulane where presumably he will be the starting quarterback. And I'd certainly hope that uh, he gets the chance to start down there because he's talented enough and Tulane's a good program and they've brought in a new head coach. I think that they're going to continue to succeed in the American athletic conference down there. But I think that for the ducks, you know, it, it, it goes to show you with all the movement and, and whatnot, you never want to burn bridges with, with recruits. And that goes for fans as well. Like, you know, message board comments, you never know when a player might pick up on, on that sort of stuff. And, you know, we've seen those instances of, you know, a very small, small number of fans who, you know, in, in any particular fan base who might make negative comments about, oh, so-and-so is just doing that, he's doing that. I just tell you to keep those thoughts to yourself because you never know when a kid might decide. Dante Moore, for instance. Dante Moore was going to go to Oregon and then he went to UCLA and here he is back with the Ducks. So I, I think that this stuff can come full circle pretty darn often, and, and I expect that to, to continue to be the case. National Signing Day in February is where everything should be news-wise on the high school recruiting front. That's not the case anymore, 
But there is still a name Oregon fans should be aware of with that day just a few weeks away. You also need to be aware of FanDuel, obviously, because the NFL regular season has wrapped up. College football is over, which makes me sad deep into my heart. But there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. You, you don't have to win the bet. It's win or lose. You place a $5 bet. You get 150 bucks in bonus bets. The app on FanDuel is super easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet. They've got live save game, same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best place to find popular parlays. You can do all that and so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Max. So February used to be the big signing day for no reason that I can actually figure out that makes any reasonable logical sense. Some genius decided that, hey, why don't we put signing day in the middle of bowl season? You know what? Let's actually put it right before bowl season so that when your regular season ends, coaches have to simultaneously deal with a transfer portal window, high school recruiting, and bowl game preparation. Let's do that just because whoever this individual is clearly has a personal vendetta against college football coaches. I, I There's no other reason to it, but. There is another signing day that is coming up in early February. Max being the recruiting guru that he is, I'm sure he knows that date off the top of his head. Max? February 1st. I February think. 1st. Look I at think, him go. I really hope that's right. You <laughs> <laughs> said with the utmost confidence. Um, you just got to sometimes you know, say say what your gut says with, with a lot of confidence and then hope the comment section doesn't come to fact check you. Because I got to tell you, comment section, that's a that's a hub of fact checking right there. Well, it's I Googled like, it and it said February 7th. So I got to correct myself. Right all right. Well, yeah, Max, you know what? We appreciate the effort, though. Early February and yes. Oregon's 2024 recruiting class, much like the rosters we were talking about, mostly set. There's one name still out there. It's Gatlin Bear. He's a wide receiver which after getting Jeremiah McClellan and Ryan Pelham to flip from Ohio State and USC respectively, I would not imagine is what you describe as a need for Oregon. But in the transfer portal era, you also can never have too many talented kids at a particular position because you never know when they'll leave. And oftentimes they do. So you told me a story before we hopped on to record about Gatlin Barrett and kind of where his head is at. So where is his head at and where does Oregon stand? Gatlin Bear is one of the craziest recruitments I feel like I, we've come across in quite a while. Um, he's down to a final two. You got Oregon and Michigan. That's been very clear. He came out to Eugene to visit for the USC game. And then that weekend, Andy Avalos was, was fired. And then he kind of let things ride a little bit, kind of see what happens. Uh, but he ended up decommitting from Boise State. So I got to check in with Gatlin out in San Antonio. And I mean, before we get into any of the specifics with all this, I just want to say he is an awesome kid. Really, really good kid. Really enjoyed the interview. Um, I didn't really know what I was going to get because I feel like he didn't do very many interviews. So that was why he was one of the guys I was the most excited to talk to out in San Antonio and just, you know, 
maybe I'll, maybe I'll post that full interview on my YouTube channel. We'll see. I already wrote the interview, but just so people can kind of, you know, hear him and, and see what he has to say. But long story short, you got Oregon and Michigan, and he had nothing but good things to say about both schools as you typically see in, in recruitment. Uh, and I think that he is absolutely a luxury for Oregon at this point, should they be able to land him. But right now he's looking to sign with his school of choice during the, uh, during that traditional or late signing day in February before he heads out onto his uh, mission um, to your mission trip. So wouldn't get there until 2026, I think it would be. But the really interesting thing with that interview, Spencer, I, I, I left it pretty open, but I just said, Hey, so what's the story with you in Michigan? And then he told me that, you know, he loves Michigan. They do a great job of developing players at, at pretty much every position. But the question mark right now is kind of what's going on with coach Harbaugh. And then he said, quote, regardless of what happens with Coach Harbaugh, Coach Moore has done a phenomenal job when he stepped in and coached. And then he said that he doesn't want to speculate on kind of what's going on. Um, but he said, from what Coach Harbaugh says, I don't think he wants to leave. Um, but he's just going to go off based off of what he told him. But as far as just what he's looking for between now and when he makes that decision, he said, quote, a lot of it will come down to what Coach Harbaugh does before I can make an accurate decision. You have to have all the information before. And then at that point, if nothing happens there, it is just kind of a long quote, but basically what he was saying is that he wants to see what coach Harbaugh does before he makes his, his ultimate decision. And uh, I mean, you can't knock a guy for that. He just wants to have the full picture to, to make decision that's best for him. So I did actually did not know that he is someone who's going to take a two year mission and wouldn't be on campus for a couple of years. He's a 2024 high school recruit, but if he's going to take his mission right out of high school, then this makes a lot more sense. Cause I was thinking about it in terms of, you know, where he'd fit into the receiver room. And you've already got Dylan Gresham and Jeremiah McClellan and Ryan Pelham and who's it? Jack wrestler I, I, is the other wide receiver in Oregon's 2024 class. And you got jury on Dickey and Kyler Casper on the depth chart. And the receiver room looks pretty loaded for next season. Next season. We didn't even talk about Evan Stewart today much. Uh, actually, this is the first time we've, we've mentioned him. So by much, I mean, not, not at all. He, he's a former, I believe, five-star recruit, went to Texas A&M, and Oregon has been tied to him for, for quite a while now. Uh, why, why don't we close right there? Because Bear, you know, would certainly make sense to get if he actually is going to be a guy for a couple of years down the line. But Evan Stewart's been a target for the Ducks. I, I've, you know, seen, heard rumblings and whatnot, but nothing substantial. Any update on where the Ducks stand with the former Aggie? Yeah, so Stewart was on campus recently for his first visit as one of the top prospects in the transfer portal. I believe he's the number one receiver available. Nothing too specific on my end, Spencer, but I can say that I did hear that it was looking pretty good at one point throughout the weekend and then kind of coming out the weekend. Out of the weekend, I, I was hearing that it seemed like things had cooled a little bit. Um, so it's kind of a TBD there, I think. I think that Oregon is, is battling the likes of USC and then probably some some other schools out in SEC country. So it's it seems like he's probably going to take some other trips based on you know kind of the the rumblings and what we're seeing on on social media. I know there's various national guys that maybe have some more sources than I do. So that's kind of the latest that I'm hearing right now. I think that the Ducks are also looking at Liberty wide receiver CJ Daniels, who's in the portal. Got to see what happens with him. I wonder if Caden Salter's. Uh, withdrawal from the portal has anything to do there with uh, with that recruitment but 
I think Oregon getting him on campus first definitely helps. I think with a guy that's that highly coveted, when you can get that first visit, it certainly strengthens your case. But as we also saw with another former Aggie, they got Walter Nolan on campus first and, and were able to, to land him. So I think there's a lot of other things kind of going on with, with this recruitment. It's not a very black and white one, um, but we'll just have to see what happens in this recruitment and, and continue, to follow, continue to follow where Evan Stewart takes his trips. Uh, those are, those are the names that Oregon's looking at right now. I think everything else, as we discussed is, uh, looking pretty darn solid uh, across the board, just about every position group you go two or three deep and you can project that depth chart. won't say easily because you, you never know. I mean, who, who had Poncho as one of the top playing offensive linemen for the ducks in 2023. I know that I certainly did not, but that's why you play spring practice. That's why you play the games. That's why you go through all this sort of stuff. And we'll continue to cover that, of course, all offseason long. Max Torres came on for some recruiting talk today because that's what he does over the Ducks Dish podcast. And he covers Oregon for Fan Nation and Sports Illustrated. Max, always a fantastic time. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on, Spencer. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.